Caroline Wozniacki. My tennis is my number one priority. One of the top female tennis players in the world. I always work hard to be the better player. At just 18, Wozniacki won her first professional title and went on to take the number one ranking for two years in a row. When I won, I was like, this, this can't be true. It can't be true that already by now I have one of my biggest dreams come true. Off the court, the Danish players break up with golfer Roy McIlroy has been the headline, and Wozniacki admits she was shocked when he ended their engagement. He made it very public from the start. You know, he put out a press release, so I didn't have a choice. You know, it was kind of, it just got put in my face. Wozniacki says she's moved on. It's looking bright out there, and, uh, you know, I'm playing well. And she's focused on her game. Wozniacki relives one of her toughest moments on the court. It's incredible video. What do you recall from that? I still look back and I'm thinking, how did I win that match? She explains her close relationship with Serena Williams. She's always been there for me and I've tried to be there for her whenever she's needed me and I think that's what strengths are for. And says she's unsure how much tennis she still has left. This is my ninth year in tour. It's a long time already. We sat down with Caroline Wozniacki in Cincinnati, where her pro career started and began the conversation with her sudden surge on tour at such a young age. All that's coming up next right here on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. Well, so you have good athletic genes, obviously. Your dad played professional soccer. Your mom uh, played for uh, Poland's national uh, volleyball, volleyball team. Um, to what extent, though, did they never pressure you to get into uh, athletics? Um, they never pressured me uh, to get into athletics, really. But, I mean, just seeing everyone being active in my family kind of got me into it. And I, I love sports. I mean, when I was two, I just learned how to walk, you know. And I was skiing already. My parents took me really? skiing and swimming. We had a pool in our backyard. So I learned how to swim really quickly as well. And uh, we have handball. It's a very European sport. But, you know, I did that, gymnastics, gymnastics. Um, tennis I did everything really growing up I wanted to play soccer because that's what my brother did but my my dad my dad especially thought that it was a sport for guys so he's like you know trying to convince my brother to try different sports so that I would get into it and he said really? you know try tennis and uh, so then I was like okay if my brother plays tennis I want to play tennis too and uh, you know I kind of started from there then my parents were playing doubles and no one wanted to play with me because I was I wasn't good enough so uh, the competitor I am, I already had that competitive gene from very young age. I was like, you know what, I'm going to show them that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be good enough. So I just took a racket and some balls and started hitting up against the wall for like hours and hours every day. And uh, my dad saw that and he's like, OK, you know what, if you want to play tennis, I'll help you out. And it kind of started from there. And my mom was the first one in my family to beat that I beat. And that really, I was so excited. And then my dad was the next one. Do you remember beating uh, your mom or dad? I do. But the most memorable one was when I beat my brother. I was 10 years old. I remember this, like, was it yesterday? And he was and, like 14 or 15, right, <laughs> yes, your brother? Yes, he he's four years older. Okay. So, and he broke the rackets he had. <laughs> and he, he hasn't, he's never played with me again. And, oh, uh, he hasn't? No. And actually, one of the rackets he broke was my dad's. And uh, he, he was like, Caroline, do not tell dad that I broke the racket. And I'm like, OK. And the next day, we're going on holidays. And I'm like, what do you want to do? What, what do you want me to do? So my brother just put the racket in the bag. And he thought my dad would notice. <laughs> But uh, my dad's like, okay, let me just check the strings. And he saw like the framers were, and he's like, who did this? And my brother's like, well, I kind of did. I lost to Caroline. So yeah, and I, that was one of the highlights <laughs> and uh, something always uh, 
you know, I tell my brother from time to time, you remember that day? And he surely does. And then does. never played with you again? No. Is it true by like uh, fifth grade you knew that you wanted to be, uh, you know, not only number one in the world, but win like all four Grand Slams, like you already had those goals? Yeah, I, uh, we have some clips that I, uh, when I was on TV, when I was about uh, maybe yeah, 11, 12, something like that, and maybe even younger, and uh, they asked me, what's your dream? And I said, my dream is to become number one in the world and, and win the four Grand Slams. So. I had I had big dreams already back then. And by, by then, I, I read somewhere that you were practicing, like at 11 years old, you're practicing 20 hours a week, six six days a, a week. I practiced a lot. I mean... Um, what, like, why that much then? Um, I don't know. I mean, when I was about 10, I had to choose between swimming and tennis because I was really good at both sports. And... Uh, my coach at tennis and my coach at swing, they're already getting upset that, you know, every other week I would do one competition over yeah. the other. And they're like, hey, you need to kind of choose, you know, what do you want to do? And why uh, did you choose tennis? I'm not a morning person. <laughs> that was <laughs> really? one of the big things, you know, being in the pool by six o'clock in the morning was really hard for me. And then cold water is not a good combo. And, and you have you to like do to that if it. you're swimming. Yeah. Okay. And then you go late nights as well. So. I thought tennis was a little bit more fun, and uh, that's that's why I chose tennis. I think I made the right choice. You and, think uh, you could have had as much success in swimming had you put your uh, I guess you know, mind to that? I guess it's hard to say, but I mean, I was doing really well, and um, I guess I would have become good. I don't know yeah. how good I would have been because I always had that, you know, competitive gene again, and I always worked hard for for things. So I guess I would have reached a certain level, but I, I mean. I think I did well, you know, in choosing tennis. I read uh, about your dad. How did he become your coach? Um, I think, like I said, you know, I was hitting up against the walls for so many hours, and my dad's like, well, if, you know, I can help you out. And um, he never really knew tennis. He was playing a little bit for fun, but never really, you know, anything great. And, uh, you know, he was always there at my practice sessions. You know, I had different coaches growing up, but. Uh, he was always there, he was learning, he was watching a lot of matches and everything. And in the end, you know, we just, we have this such a close bond and uh, he he kind of guided me through through it all, always wanted the best for me. And, you know, I trust him with, you know, everything. And I think that that's very important to have that connection. And there obviously have been other stories of, you know, parents coaching the, their kids, but it, it does, you know, from an outsider looking in, seems odd how somebody who, as you said, you know, really didn't know much about tennis can coach, you know, yeah. their, their kid to becoming, a, you know, number one yeah. in, in the world. So how, did, did he just... I mean, he like learned so much growing up, and obviously we learned together as well because obviously we, there's been some mistakes on the way, sure. you know, with some maybe technical things or whatever. But he always wanted to listen to the best coaches or the ones with more experience, and he always uh, he was probably you know my biggest support out there. And he watched so many matches. He looked at techniques. He looked, you know, my dad. Uh, yeah, he just kind of learned along the way and. You know, uh, he wanted the best for me. So, uh, and, you know, even though sometimes maybe it wasn't the right, uh, <laughs> I remember one time my dad told me it was in one of our practice sessions and I got so upset. I said, I'm done practicing for the day and I left. What, because, what did he say? 
he's like, you don't look at the ball when you, when you do an overhead or when you serve. And I'm like, I do, you know, and I'm telling you, I'm actually looking at the ball, obviously, otherwise I couldn't hit the ball. And he's like, no, no, no. So he said, okay, have a ball in your hand. I'm going to put a ball up in the air. And if you're actually looking at the ball, the ball you have in your hand will hit the other ball, you know, so that he's feeding me a ball. Yeah. The first hit that he does, or the first shot, I hit the ball and the ball goes straight back. It hits the other ball and goes double as fast down on my nose and I started bleeding. I was like, oh my God, I'm so upset. I got so pissed with him and I left. I said, I'm done, you know, stupid exercise. Right. And did anybody come, like, was that just something he made up? or did It he was actually... something he just made up because he's like, you know, I think she doesn't look at the ball when she does. <laughs> and I obviously did, and uh, I made my point, and I'm, I was done. <laughs> um, how about the best and worst part of having your father as your coach? Well, the best part is I, you know, I'm very close to my family, so family is so important to me, and to have someone, uh, you know, travel with me all the time means so much to me. And it's an individual sport as well, so it can kind of get lonely if you just travel by yourself. And uh, right, you're just in a hotel exactly, room in random hotel. parts of the world. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, uh, that's probably the best part to have family close to me all the time. And. Sometimes the worst thing is obviously I think if someone spends so much time together, sometimes we bump heads, and especially because we're both, you know, very stubborn. Right. And even if we know we're wrong, we're gonna try and turn it to say that we're right. So uh, sometimes we have our arguments, but I think that's normal. Well, even if you guys weren't <laughs> stubborn, I mean, I love my dad and yeah. love spending time with him, but yeah. I'd get sick of him if I, I was know. with him nine, ten months yeah. out of the year on the road. Yeah, but I guess, you know, we give each other space right. as well. My dad, I think he has, I mean, he has friends everywhere in the world. It's mm -hmm. crazy. I think he's Polish, so I think there's Polish people everywhere. and. Uh, you know, I often just hear him say, do you have any plans now? I'm like, no, not really, I'm not doing it. He's like, okay, well, I'm going, you know, I'm going to a barbecue with my friends here, I'm going there. I'm like, where do you know all these right. people from? And he's like, I don't know, you know, it just kind of happens. We were talking about this a little bit before the interview. You have obviously a lot of friends on tour, and then reading about you, you know, articles say, you know, that's not really common among like, you know, professional tennis players agree, d disagree? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very personal. It's very, you know, from person to person, it's very different. Obviously, some people like to have friends on tour. Some people prefer just to keep to themselves. But, you know, I have uh, a few really good friends on the tour that I love to hang out with, and uh, we always have a good laugh. And for me, that's, that's so important because, again, it's, you know, otherwise we travel, you know, nine, ten months of the year, and, you know, you can get lonely. So for me... It's nice to kind of catch a break and just go for a movie, go for dinner and just go out and have a laugh and not think about tennis. Some athletes I've interviewed, um, mainly some of the older re retired ones, they would n never want to be friends or socialize with the competition. They just yeah. would not have it. Um, how difficult at all is that for you to compete against people that you know you've become close friends with? Um, not, not hard at all, actually. Yeah. I'm so good at just... Uh, you know, um, saying on court, you know, we, we're competitors and we do our best to win, but once we're off the court, it's completely different and uh, we just, uh, we have a good time. Like, like you were playing uh, Serena recently, exactly, who yeah. you were close friends with. What, what's that like for you when like, you're out there with her? It's not fun because I don't have a good record against her. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, mo most people uh, don't though. No, right? but I mean, yeah, I played her uh, 
Yeah, and uh, I lost seven five in the third, unfortunately. But you know, once you're on the court, you just you're in your own little bubble, and uh, you just really just try and win. You don't really care who's on the other side. You know, you do everything in your power to win. So um, so that's it. But you know, then again, just the day after, we start texting, and we just uh, you know, she was still in Montreal, and I I was in Cincinnati, and just uh, you know, catching up and. Just having a good time. Kind of. Will you guys say anything about the match? Or you no, don't even... tennis then is not important. Really? <laughs> so many other things that are more interesting than the tennis. So you won't say like, man, you kicked my ass? Or, you no, know, like not okay. at all. No, I mean, we're kind of then, you're kind of moved on. And yeah. you're like, you know, we're on to the next chapter. We have many other interesting things we prefer to talk about. Right, <laughs> than, the, than the day job. Uh, the 2009 uh, Doha WTA uh, championship. It is, I mean, I, I watched it for the first time the other day. It's incredible video. Yeah. Uh, actually, um, obviously was not a fun time for you then. Um, no. But what do you recall from that? I still look back and I'm thinking, how did I, how did I win that match? You know, I was up, I think, six love, five one, and I had match points. And then all of a sudden, Serena Reva starts playing incredible, and we got into this third set, and I get full, I had body cramps. I already had leg cramps from the second set on. Uh, I had an injury going, and it was uh -huh. really hot, and it kind of started cramping, and then I started my other leg, and then at five four and a third, um, I just went, I hit the shot into the net, and I kind of get disappointed. I, put my body backwards and I just start cramping first in one leg, then the other, then, you know, calves, then stomach, back, everything just start cramping. I fall down on the ground and I'm just told, we can't help you up. I'm like, I can't stand up. And they're like, we can't help and you. And they can't help you because you they already got help. a treatment no, during that match just, for Nobody's cramp allowed to help you on your legs. So okay. you just have to make your own way up. And then you cannot get cram you cannot get treatment for cramps. Because uh, it's not considered like an injury? It's not considered an injury. So... You know, it's so I was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm out on my own here. Uh, and somehow I managed to finish that match. I was in, I had some uh, fluids, uh, some, uh, I had to be into an IV after the match and was lying there for like two hours cooling down. It was crazy. And to clarify here, I mean, literally you're like standing up after, you know, you hit the ball and it is, it's as it's if your legs body. just get, like give out completely and you... Yeah, hit, hit I mean, my hamstring, my, you know, my thighs, everything just started cramping up. And every time I try to stretch one leg, you know, I cramp in the other. And then I'm trying to stretch that and my back cramps. And then I'm trying to do right. that and my stomach cramps. And I, then I just fall down on the floor. I look like I'm getting shot or something. You, I mean, you did. I did, yeah. Yeah, obviously, you know, like you're on the ground. You managed to get up, tears. Yeah. Uh, understandably, you, you know, coming, coming down. How many other girls do you think would have toughed it out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think a lot. I don't know how I managed to do it. I mean, I was in so much pain and, yeah, I was exhausted as well. And as I said, I looked like I'd been sh shot. So when I look back, I'm like, you know, I'm cringing looking at it because I'm like, I know how much pain I'm in, but it actually kind of looks funny as well, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, so you, you know, can laugh at I it. I can laugh. I love okay. laughing at it now because, okay. you know, I passed be, it. So. It was like devastating then though, wasn't it? I mean, I know, but I mean, in the end I won. So I was like, right. oh my God, I can't believe I won this. You know, right. I'm like, this is, yeah, I was really proud of myself. I kind of you know, gave myself a little bit on the show. I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. You think you'd tough it out uh, now if you were in the same s situation? Or was it more like then more was on? 
I'm I'm a competitor, okay. so yeah. I definitely would, uh, you know, try and grind it out. But you know, again, I managed to finish it at six and and won the next game six four. I think if I'd lost that and kind of had to play three more games, it would have looked differently. Yeah, I don't know how I'd have survived that. Explain uh, why you rely more on, on defense, and I know that's gotten a lot of kind of. Yeah, I actually play. I think that's not really accurate as well because obviously it depends who you play. You and know, wh why do you think people s say that? I don't know. Um, obviously, there's some matches where you have to rely on your defense, sure. and you know you just know that the other player has you know harder shots than you, and you kind of need to change up the pace and kind of take the pace out of play and I think sometimes that's why people say oh she's playing defense but you actually you're just figuring out a way to win because some of the girls are bigger than you they're stronger or they just have as I said heavier shots so you kind of need to to figure out another way to win you can't really play power every shot and I think that's again one of my my biggest weapons that I can I can play aggressively when I when I need to or go back into defense and I think because I, I'm so fast on the court as well. I get that extra extra ball into play and yeah. You've been criticized before for being too defensive, yet people fail to realize that, it seems like people fail to realize that you've beaten every big player in the world and been in the Grand Slam finals. To, to what extent do you think these you know, so-called tennis experts <laughs> when they are critical of you for that kind of forget about I think that. in the end of the day, um, you know, they always want to make a story and it's yeah. kind of boring if it's the same thing over and over again. So they're just trying to make up something new. And, you know, I, I'm at a point now where I don't really, you know, I don't care what people say about my game or, you know, because I do what I do and I know that I'm, you know, this is the way I, I win and this is the way I win matches. So what, whether people think it's a good way or not, it, you know, in, right. in the end, I, I'm there to win. I'm not there to make it look pretty. But, uh, you know, I, I just love what I do and I do it uh, pretty well. So something uh, your agent John said to me that I was actually <laughs> a little surprised by, you know, we were talking about, you know, I guess your your struggles a, a little bit over the past couple of years, and I, it's like I don't even know if you can call it that because okay, if you aren't one, you're ten, yeah. you know, ten in the world. That's still, you know, one of the best in the world. But he said um, he thinks it's because maybe you lost a little motivation because you've become more interested in other areas of life. How fair do you think that is? You know, I think. I was number one in the world for two straight years and I had so many things happening and so, you know, every week the tournament always wants more from you because obviously you're the number one player in the world, you know, you have so many commitments on and off the court and at one point I think I just got so tired, I think my body just got so tired as well and I think for a little while I, I just... Uh, Why do you think you got so tired? Because, you know, everyone wants just a little bit a little piece of you and obviously that's great and I enjoyed what I was doing it but in the end I looking back at it I can see now that you know uh, it's it was hard you know and it definitely takes a toll on your body and especially when you're so young you know you kind of need to try and find that balance and uh, but in the end you know I I always work hard I always do everything possible to be a better player you know after every practice and you know I, I think you know, obviously you always, there's so many things happening in life. And for me, life itself is more important than, right. you know, just playing tennis. But I think to say that 
my motivation wasn't there. I don't think that's right. I think it's just, you know, in a, in a, in a career, you know, it will always be up and downs a little bit. And, you know, still being 10 in the world is not that bad. It you know, I think suck, a lot of right. people would like to be in that position. Right. But I guess, you know, for, for me, you know, I always wanted to be higher. Obviously, I've been there and I've done that. And I kind of feel like I, I belong, you know, in the top. How hard is it to find proper balance between the work life and everything else you want to do? Um, you kind of just have to have your priorities right. And for me, obviously, the my tennis is my you know my number one priority, and I want to do really well there. But I have a life as well, and uh, you know I think balancing that is so important for me as a person because. You know, if I just think tennis, I'm gonna go crazy. I, I love spending time with my friends. I love, you know, just doing other normal stuff, and that's what recharges my batteries. And that's that's very important for me. Serena Williams. Yes. Um, you both have become uh, close friends, and I believe it like happened after kind of an exhibition in Barbados that you guys um, became close. And I was told that like adversity in each of your lives has made actually you both closer. Um, in what ways? Yeah, I love Serena. I mean, she is the best. I, you know, she's not only on the court is she an unbelievable athlete. You know, she is a person that I obviously look, I look very much up to because she's done so many things in the sport. But at the same time, you know, she always keep her feet on the ground. She's so good with people, and you know, that's what that's the biggest quality in a person to me is who they are and how friendly they are and how open and Serena is just hilarious and we love spending time together and uh, you know we've gone through <laughs> quite a few things in our lives and uh, you know she's always been there for me and I've tried to be there for her whenever she's needed me and uh, I think that's what friend friends are for. Yeah but is that true like at tough times like you guys have I mean, that, that's made you both closer? Yeah, for sure. I mean, she she's there. She's the first one, you know, to call me. And if I don't pick up, she's going to keep calling me until I pick up. And if I still don't pick up, she's going to text me and say, you know, if you do not pick up, I'm going to stand outside your door. And if you do not open the door, I'm going to break it down to make sure that right. you're okay. You know, she's, uh, she's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. And when she had her pulmonary embolism, you were the first player there. You hopped on a flight, I believe, to exactly. LA. Exactly, yeah. And I, I went to see her and I, it was a very tough time for her. And uh, very scary as well, and I uh, I went to see her and just uh, spent a little bit of time with her and just whatever she needed. What do you think you've learned from her? I've learned so much. She's still an inspiration to so many people because she's still on the council on the tour. She's still you know making sure that everybody is gonna be okay. You know she wouldn't have to do that. She's you know earned enough money. She's had enough trophies in her you know in her house and she doesn't need to do anything but she's always there for other people she always tries to help she always makes sure that you know the younger generation are taken care of she's inspiration to me because she's always been there for me whatever i i would need you do uh if i may say so myself a pretty good on court impression uh, <laughs> of her um I, I got a bit you, of stick for that. I, by I the know. Way. Are you? Are, were you amazed by the amount of backlash you got? Yeah, over that? I was really. I mean, I'm a very good friend of Serena, and right. you know, I did not expect that to be blown out of proportion. I'm in no way racist, or right. so I. I was. I was shocked that you know the the media would blow it out that way, and. Uh, 
No, I, I was like, I called Serena and I'm like, you know, I hope you don't take this personally because right. obviously it was just a little bit fun. And she's like, no, you know, don't worry. It's, it's not a big deal to me. Well, right, because other people had done it before too. Exactly, You're playing other people have done it before. And right. yeah, we're just having a bit of fun and right. it had nothing to do with, you know, what skin color you have. It was just a bit of fun and uh, it wasn't really. Well, right, I mean, you, you put towel in your exactly. chest, a towel in the, b behind, and I mean, it was... Hey, she has amazing curves. I, I'm pretty flat, so oh, I would like some more. Yeah, I mean, I guess people, the criticism was that, you know, there were racist comments because you're making fun of, like, an African-American's body, but in reality, it's like you're just poking fun at a good friend. Exactly. You know? We were just having right. a little laugh, and uh, I learned a lesson there as well, and I was like, you know, maybe I should not do that in the future. Uh, there's obviously no good segue uh, in, into this, and I know it's a, a topic that is no fun for uh, you to talk about, but obviously recently you and professional golfer, you know, Rory McIlroy, uh, broke off your engagement. And, you know, I wonder, given you're a public figure, um, how difficult have you found it to avoid dealing publicly with a very private situation? Um, it was very hard because, you know, he made it very public from the start, you know, he put out a press release and all of that, so I didn't have a choice, you know, it was kind of, it just got put in my face, but, you know, right now, I'm in such a great place, I'm so happy, I'm in a better place than I've been in a very long time, and I have good things going on. I understand from talking to, uh, you know, people close to you, like, wedding invitations had been sent out already, you were with them, you know, th that morning, and then, uh, later in the day, it happened on like a, a 10 minute call, the first five minutes of which you thought was a joke when he's <laughs> saying he wants to break it off. How yeah. surprised were you by how it all ended? Oh, I was shocked. I thought at least, you know, I would get a face to face or something, but there was nothing, you know, it was just a um, phone call and I did not hear from him again, you know, it's kind of like that. It's kind of just ended and you know, I don't think you expect yourself to be in a situation like that. You can't prepare yourself or your body for anything like that. So, you know, I think I was just in a bit of a shock phase there for a while. And uh, I went to Miami after the French Open and, you know, uh, Serena was there. Right. We had a great time. When the and, Heat uh, won the The Heat won. Right. And, and uh, you know, we just had an amazing time. And I came back from that and I felt refreshed. I felt, you know, a new, my, a new self. And I started practicing towards uh, Wimbledon, Eastbourne, and I was playing well. And, yeah, I kind of I was like, you know what, that's a, that's a chapter in my life. I've learned a lot from it. You know, it's... Yeah taught me a lot. It, I definitely learned a lot about myself, about relationships. I know I think you just have to take life as it goes and I believe that you know you never get put things on you that you can't handle so uh, you know I'm definitely on the other side now and you know I, I moved on. I did love the tweet that you sent out though recently <laughs> about the first time in a few years you're able to wear high heels. I <laughs> thought that was uh, clever. How like uh, hard is it though, like just generally speaking, to have a relationship when here you are, you know, having a global travel schedule year round and obviously also have, you know, very ambitious, time consuming professional goals? I think it's very important to, to have a life off the court and uh, to me it wasn't that hard to, to balance, you know, tennis and, and a relationship and I think for me it's uh, it's just a great thing when you can have both, you know, it's, uh, 
there's no better place than uh, when, when you're happy both on and off the court because I believe if you're happy off the court you're going to do better results and play better. So you travel all over the world obviously for work. Um, how much are you actually able to enjoy the cities when you're there? Um, I try now more than I used to. I, I used to just do hotel uh, courts, hotel courts, but mm -hmm. the last year or so I'm like you know what I'm playing tennis. I'm traveling to all these amazing cities and I don't go out and see much of them. So I've made a really big effort to always go out and kind of explore. And um, Is it hard when it's given all the professional responsibilities when you're sometimes, in Sometimes, but at the same time, I found that, you know, it doesn't hurt to enjoy yourself. It doesn't hurt right. to, to, you know, take a little longer drive to go out for dinner because you don't get to experience it. And it actually helps you because you feel alive. You feel like you're actually in, in that place and in that city and you, you kind of you know, you travel the world and you get to see it, and that's, that's very important. How about your favorite cities? I love New York. New York is uh, probably my favorite city. I love London, uh, Miami. We had a tournament in Bali one time, which okay. was pretty cool. I couldn't focus on the tennis. No? <laughs> no, it was impossible. We played at the, this unbelievable resort where we had the courts at the resort, and every time I had to walk past the pool and the beach, to get to the tennis, I'm like, what am I doing here playing <laughs> right. tennis? You know, right. and uh, I didn't do very well, so I ended up you're at able to hang out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, it, it, it was a win-win situation. You speak eight languages, well, I understand. Yeah, well, I speak Danish, English, Polish fluently, and okay. then Czech, Slovakian is very similar to Polish. Norwegian, Swedish is very similar to Danish, and I speak some Russian. And, okay. Um, my Russian, if I spend a little bit more time in Russia. I can speak it really well, but you know I don't use it use it as much. But I can get by, and I understand everything. So, so yeah. say hello in as many languages <laughs> as you can. Uh, hi, cześć, um, hi, здравствуйте, <laughs> uh, uh, ahoy, shena. Uh, uh, some of them go kind of. Go ahead and hand, yeah. Why, why is it easy or relatively easy for you to pick up new languages? My parents are Polish, so I had that from birth, Polish and Danish since I grew up in Denmark. And we learned English in school. Um, and then I traveled all the time. So yeah. I had those three languages already kind of from the start. And uh, then everything else came easy to me because I think once you know a few languages, the other languages get easier to learn. Somebody asked you this question and I thought it was great. Um, what language do you dream in? <laughs> Depends where I spend most time and who I talk to and... In all, in all seriousness? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it really depends. It's if, I, if I've been speaking English or if I've been using English a lot, I would, I would think or dream or count in English. If I'd been spending a lot of time with my Polish friends or with my parents, I would dream or in, in Polish or the same in, with the Danish. It's kind of those three that it mixes. And I even... Sometimes I catch myself when I'm doing I'm doing a lot of on the skipping rope and I have to count and sometimes I, I'm like what language was that that I'm <laughs> counting in and oh, it, sure. it actually varies it depends. All right and um, once and for all, um, explain how you actually pronounce your name. So if you have you, to, you've let American people get away with. Caroline Bosniaki, right. yeah. So and that's how in in Denmark as well. But if you do it in proper Polish. Actually, the I in the end would be an A, and it would be Wojniacka. So that would be the proper 
pronunciation uh, because women in Poland always or usually end on an A like Radvanska or Domohowska. Or, but you don't yeah. correct people anymore. No, because I kind of grew up, I grew up in Denmark and it was so hard for them to pronounce it Wozniacki in the right way. So I just, I kind of got stuck with Wozniacki and I, I'm used to that and <laughs> that's kind of the right way, I guess, now for me. Really a pleasure. It was nice. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for listening to the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Graham Bensinger. And visit GrahamBensinger.com for TV times in your area. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Graham Bensinger for hours of extra content. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. This has been the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast.